Good morning, everybody. How's it? How you doing today? All right, wave at me a little bit. You doing good? How many of you are enjoying the sunshine? Yes. I know for us in Eugene, it's kind of like if you were in the Sahara Desert and you had not had a drink of water for a few weeks or whatever, you know, and all of a sudden you get thrown into the ocean. That's how we are with the sunshine, isn't it? Because we go through all of this time of rain and the darkness and all this kind of thing, and then all of a sudden we get to the sunshine and we're all just out there like enjoying it totally. And it actually was tricking me so much. We're working on some feedback there. Just dial off the low end there, Wade. Cut off the low end. I am the great and powerful Wizard of Oz. (laughs) The sunshine actually lured me outside yesterday. Uh, Surprise, surprise. For those of you that don't know me, I I look at the outside as basically just the space between air-conditioned environments. So I do my best to avoid it, but I was lured outside by the sunshine, drawn like a moth to the flame. And uh, I went outside and I mowed my lawn. But there's this problem when you get older, and those of you that are actually over the age of 30, you know what happens is your body starts to deteriorate right? Am I talk, talking to anybody today? And so I, it was me versus my lawn, and the lawn won because, you know, I'm actually frugal. That's the nice way of saying cheap. And so I bought a used lawnmower, and it's not working so well. And so I was trying to carve through this um, spring rain uh, encouraged and enabled grass. You know, it's just like super powered in the spring. You know what I mean? The grass comes back and says, oh, I'm back to get you. You know, the grass is angry, and I'm trying to mow this grass. And I get done with it, and it took me over an hour to mow my lawn, and it was basically like carving a path through the Amazon jungle. And I, I go inside, I'm like, babe, I think I hurt my hip, you know? So now I need a hip replacement. I'm sunburned from being out in the sun. It's a rough day, but I'm excited to be at church today. I just want you to know the hard things I pushed through as your pastor to get to you on Sunday morning. <laughs> Actually, it was a great day. I was out at the uh, Oregon Ducks spring game, and I love the spring game because the Ducks always win. Not the case in the fall always, but at least in the spring game, the Ducks always win. And it was nice being out there, although we were in a shadowy area, like we're in the shade. And if you know at Autzen, you're either boiling hot on the one side or you're freezing cold on the other side. So we were in nuclear winter on the other side, just like, go Ducks, you know, all freezing cold. It's okay to laugh this morning uh, at church. You know, some of you were like, we can't laugh at church, we need to be sanctimonious and... uh, No, you can just jump in and have a good time. I also had four shots of coffee today, so if I'm coming at you intense, that's why. Uh, I want to say welcome to Joy Church UO this morning on video. Glad you guys are with us. We're excited to jump in. Well, we're in a series called Rocket Fuel. How many of you have enjoyed the, the weeks leading up to this one? And we're learning about being fueled by the Spirit of God, being fueled by the presence of God. Your life is meant to go somewhere. Come on. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. You're not meant to just sit on the tarmac and not go anywhere. God created you for purpose. And the thing is, though, that you're not going anywhere unless you get fueled up with the right right fuel. And God himself, a relationship with God, is the fuel that our lives are meant to run on. So that's what we're talking about in this series and looking at the ways that we can access the presence of God, the ways that we can can meet with God. And and so we're talking about prayer. We're talking about the word. We're talking about hearing the voice of God. And last week, we talked all about prayer. How many of you received something last week and did that affect your life in any way? All right, that's awesome. Six people prayed this week. I'm encouraged by that. I'm hoping that we can double that and have 12 people pray this week. Come on, we got big vision at Joy Church. But today, I want to talk all about the, the word of God. I want to talk about the Bible. And I don't know if you've heard about this guy, Paul, but Paul was a, one of the writers of the New Testament. Paul was an apostle of Jesus. He was actually on the road to Damascus. He was persecuting Christians. His name was Saul at the time. And 
Jesus literally appeared to him and he had what's called the Damascus Road experience. People will say, I had a Damascus Road experience. And Jesus appears to him and says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he turns his life around. He calls him to, to go and be a minister of the gospel. <clears throat> and so Paul goes, <clears throat> and he's, he, he goes on all these missionary journeys. He's starting churches everywhere. He's an amazing person, has a tremendous impact for the kingdom of God. But this is what, what, where we're going to see Paul come into the story today is at the very end of his, of his life, at the end of his journey, Paul was actually imprisoned twice in the city of Rome. And on his second imprisonment, he writes a letter. We know it as 2 Timothy. He writes a letter to his spiritual son, Timothy. And Paul writes this letter to Timothy, and it's one of the last things that he writes. And uh, how many of you know that a last will and testament, the last words carry some weight and some meaning, right? And so the passage of scripture we're going to look at today are the last words of Paul to his spiritual son, and there's weight and meaning here. So we're going to jump in right now and look at this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15. This is Paul writing his last words to Timothy. He says, you have been taught the holy scriptures from childhood, and they have given you the wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. All scripture, somebody say all. all. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. This morning, I wanna talk about the Bible. I wanna talk about God's word and the importance of that being the foundation of our lives. Jesus gave a, a parable. He said, the person that listens to my teaching and, and does them is like a person who builds his, his life, who builds his house on the rock. And when the storm comes and when the winds blow and the rain falls, that house is gonna stand. He says, a person that doesn't do that is like a person who builds his life on the sand. And when the storm comes, as the storm always does come, right? Especially if you live in Eugene, it's coming. It's sunny right now, but it's coming. Trust me, the rain is coming back. When that storm comes, that, that, that's going to fall. I want to tell you that as a follower of Jesus, if you want to build your life on anything other than the teaching, the words of God, the, the words of Jesus, the, the, the scriptures, it's like building your life on the sand. And it doesn't matter how good it looks on the surface. If the foundation's not right, when the storms of life come, you're going to fall. How many of you have gone through some storms in life? And, you know, it's all about the foundation. If the foundation is good, your house is going to stand. It's what Jesus is talking about. And I want to tell you right now that as we talk about rocket fuel, as we talk about being fueled up, and we talk about being who God's called us to be and doing what God's called us to do, your time in God's word and your commitment to be in the scriptures, to be a person of the word is what is going to define your success as a follower of Jesus more than anything else. It's not how you look. It's not how you come to church on Sunday. It's not how well you can say amen or hallelujah at the appropriate moments or the inappropriate moments. Some people don't know when to throw an amen in there. I'll be like, and that's the problem with sin. Amen! That's just wrong. Sorry, you missed your opportunity. Um, but, but if you know, <laughs> I'm off track there. But anyways, your capacity to, to build your life, to get your life founded on God's word and get God's word into you and operating in you and changing your, your thoughts and changing all of that is going to define your success as a follower of Jesus. Now, Paul is giving these last words to Timothy and he's emphasizing the importance of God's word, emphasizing the importance of the scriptures. And he says something here. He says that all scripture is inspired by God. In the Greek, it's the word, it's this, it's theopneusto. It means God breathed. God breathed 
the scripture. He inspired it. It comes from God. It is his word. The Bible is trustworthy because it's God's word, right? And Paul goes on. He talks about all these things, and we're going to jump in and look at what Paul talks about to Timothy about what the scripture is. But I want to say something here first. If you approach the scriptures, if you approach the Bible as merely information, you're missing it because the purpose of the Bible is not just information, it's transformation. We talked about this last week that in prayer, if you, if you want to pray, just know that's kind of a dangerous thing because you're asking the creator of heaven and earth, the God of the universe to communicate with you. And when he speaks, he expects that you're going to listen and do what he, what he says, right? You can't be in the presence of God and not change. And likewise, you cannot go into the scriptures, you cannot read the Bible and then just walk away and act like nothing's different. No, God spoke to you through that and he wants to transform your life. The purpose of the Bible is transformation, not just information. So if you will read the Bible and do what it says, you will be transformed into the person that God created you to be, which is awesome, isn't it? How many of you want to realize the potential and the destiny that God made you to accomplish? right? Every one of us should want to. Now, the problem with this is that what gets in the way of God transforming us is our, is our brokenness and our hurt and pain and our, our deception, thinking that sin is really going to get me where I want to go, right? And so sometimes when we come to the Word, God has to say, no, actually the way you think, the way that you operate, the way that you are, are living your life is not exactly in line with how I made you to be, and there needs to be some adjustment, right? And that process can be painful. That process can be difficult, but it's, 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 it's good in the end because God is creating and transforming us to be the person that he made us to be. But it's not enough with the word, with the, with the Bible. When you read the Bible, it's not enough just to read it. We have to also do it. Come on. And, and there's all kinds of verses about this that I could talk about. James says, don't just be a hearer of the word, be a doer. Jesus says, the person that hears my word and, and does it, that lives by it, Right? It's not just enough to hear it, to listen to it. We have to actually put it into practice. I love what Pastor Rick Warren says. He says, we only really believe the parts of the Bible that we actually apply to our life. There's a lot of Christians that are like, yeah, I based my life on the word of God. And you're like, actually, you don't do it though. Well, no, no, no. I'm in church every Sunday. I base my life on the word of God. No, it's not how, or I can quote scriptures at you all day. I love when people say that to me. I've talked to atheists that know the Bible better than I do that can quote scriptures. But that's not the point, is it? It's not just the word that we hear, it's the word that we apply in our lives. And really, that's the part that you believe, isn't it? The parts that you put into practice. Okay, we're going to jump in and get practical today. And in uh, 2 Timothy Timothy 3.16, we see four things that the Bible does for us. And these are the four things I want to talk about today and encourage you to get in the word on a daily basis and found your life on the word. So here's what Paul says. We already read this scripture, but I'll read it again. 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to, and listen to this, teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and it teaches us to do what is right. The four things I want to talk about today that the word of God does, that the scriptures do for us. Number one, it teaches us what is true. Number two, it makes us realize what is wrong in our lives. Number three, it corrects us. Number four, it teaches us to do what is right. This first one I want to talk about is about truth. The, the Bible teaches us truth. And I don't know about you, but you've ever heard of this thing called fake news? 
right? Anybody alive today in 2018, right? You, you get online and it's like, you know, this is happening and Donald Trump did this or Hillary did this. Hillary's a green alien and, you know, she smells like sulfur. Donald Trump is the Antichrist. And you're like, oh my God, everything's falling apart. It's all fake news, right? You, you get on Facebook and you find out that this is going to kill you. This is going to kill you. No, eating healthy is going to kill you. If you, if you drink LaCroix, it's going to kill you. Um, if, you do, if you drink soda, that's going to kill you. I mean, newsflash, everything is going to kill you at some point, right? It, it, you're, we're all heading that direction at, at some speed, <laughs> whether you drink diet soda or not. But fake news, right? There's all this misinformation and people are doing all kinds of things just to grab your click. You heard the term clickbait, right? Just to draw you in, just to get your eyeballs on something. And there's all this kind of fake news. In a world of fake news, isn't something that you know is true, that you, are, that you absolutely know this is truth. It will not lead me astray. It will not confuse me. It will not be uh, half true and half a lie. No, it's in a world of fake news, it's refreshing to have something that we can anchor ourselves to and say, this is true, right? Because if you're like me, you don't know exactly what's true. Who should I trust? Who should I follow? Which, which party is the one that I should be behind? Who, uh, which kind of thing should I be connected to? What diet should I go on? In a world of fake news, knowing something that is true is so valuable. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth will make you free the truth sets you free from this life of confusion and chasing your tail and trying to figure out which way to go. The Bible presents God's propositional revelation. He says, this is who I am. This is the way that I am. This is who you are. This is the way you are made and created. And this is the way the world is. And it's truth about God. It's truth about life. It's truth about spirituality. Come on, if you're struggling trying to find truth in the midst of this storm of fake news and misinformation and all the conflicting philosophies and everything, I want to encourage you to connect with the Word of God because you will find truth there to anchor yourself to, to found your life upon. And when Jesus talks about truth setting you free, what is it setting us free from? It's setting us free from the captivity of the lies that we get from our own head, from the enemy, and from the world. The Word of God has the power and the capacity to disarm the lies about you and about other people. Listen, maybe this morning you woke up and the enemy was lying to you saying, hey, you, you don't mean anything. Your life doesn't have any purpose. Nobody loves you. Kyle was, was speaking about that in worship, those, those things. Maybe your own head says, you know what? You're never gonna amount to anything. You, you, you're just kind of a, a failure. You're a loser. Whatever the lies are, let me just tell you, in, in and of yourself, you don't have the power, the capacity to disarm those lies, but God's truth through the word, has the power to break down every stronghold, every lie that comes against you. Come on. God's word has the power to break down all of the lies that come against you. Now listen, you're sitting here like, I don't believe, I don't believe the lies. Yeah, you probably do. Because unless you have fully realized everything that God has called you to do and all that God has called you to be, then you're still believing some form of the truth of, of reality of who God made you to be that's less than what God actually has for you. And I just want to tell you right now, you probably don't believe in yourself nearly enough to the level that God believes in you, to the level that God sees your, your hope and your, your potential and your future. Come on. You're sitting there going, oh, I have a pretty good marriage. No, God has more for you in your marriage. Oh, my kids, we're doing pretty good. Oh, my spirituality, my relationship with God, it's okay. God has more for you. Somebody say more. 
And the word of God is going to come to you and reveal to you the truth that will disarm all of the lies. I love the story of Gideon. And uh, Gideon was a, a guy, see it in the book of Judges in the Old Testament. And Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press. I don't have time to go into this, but he was doing it wrong because you're meant to thresh wheat up on a hill and the wind blows and so on and so forth. You know how wheat is threshed, right? All of us are wheat threshers. So we all understand this reference totally. And uh, Gideon is in a wine press, though he's hiding because this foreign nation has oppressed Israel. And the Lord comes to Gideon and he says to Gideon, oh, mighty man of valor. And Gideon's like, uh, are you, is there a person named Gideon behind me that you're talking to? Because that's not me. I'm the least of my father's house. And my father's house is the least of our tribe. And our tribe is the least in Israel. Gideon's like, I wear a big L on my forehead. And yet God comes to him and says, oh, mighty man of valor. Listen, when the Lord speaks to you, he identifies you at what he made you to be, not just where you are right now. Come on. And so today, I want to encourage you, when you get in the word of God, it's going to break down those lies and allow you to see who God wants you to be. It's going to reveal truth to you. It's going to set you free. The word of God teaches us truth. Number two, it shows us what's wrong in our lives. And I don't know about you, but there have from time to time been some things wrong with my life. I mean, I don't have any blind spots. If I did, I'd see them. But maybe some of you have some of these blind spots. That's a better joke than you're giving me credit for. Come on. I mean, it's, I know it's early. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, we, I will. I'll keep them coming. Shows us what's wrong in our lives. Mirror, mirror on the wall. Who's the most screwed up person of all? And I know that we, we tend to think that God is looking at us, wanting to judge us or condemn us. That's not the reality, but the scripture does reveal to us. This is where I'm kind of off track. And that truth can hurt, but it leads to healing, right? When you go to the doctor, if there's actually something wrong with you, you don't want them to be like, you're fine. Put a Band-Aid on it and go home. And you have like advanced, uh, some advanced disease working through your body. No, you want to know the truth. Now, listen. God's word, when you put yourself up, I don't have a Bible with me here, but I read my Bible on my iPad, so I'm going to act like this is my Bible, okay? When you come up to the word of God in the morning, in your time of devotions, in your time with the Lord, what we're talking about in this series, having this time to connect with God, you're looking at the word of God, and it's like looking in a mirror, and it's reflecting back to you, and because of the truth of God's word, it's revealing to you where you are out of alignment the why the way that you currently think is sort of distorted out of God's plan for you. Do, you. do you understand what I'm talking about? And it's so valuable to get this perspective from the word where it shows us what's wrong in our lives because it allows us to realize where our thinking is off. I've really been meditating on this recently that God's power is there to transform you and you can be transformed in a moment in the presence of God. He can break chains. He can set you free, but... If you don't change the way that you think, if the way that you think does not become aligned with God's word, you will go right back into the same situation that you were in. The, what we currently think, the way that we see the world, the way that we see God, the way that we see ourselves is shaping the reality that we experience around us, right? And there's this interesting thing that happens that we'll be driving down the freeway or something and I'll look over and I'll see people that maybe are, are homeless, and, and I don't mean this in any judgmental way, but I, I've had these conversations with Bethany several times where I'll be like, you know, man, I feel bad for those people. If I was in that situation, this is what I would do. And 
in about five minutes, I'm already back to where I am, if this makes sense. Like, I'm back to having a house, and I'm back to having a job, and I'm back to being married to Bethany, and somehow I always get her back, however the scenario goes, but she always takes me back. It's amazing. Um, I always end up back where I am when I work through this little scenario in my head, and why is that? And then, and then I'll, I'll tell this to her, and she'll be like, well, Jake, the reason that you are where you are is because you think the way you think, Right? I mean, that's not super profound, but think about it for a second. The life that you have currently is a result of, the, of how you think, of how you operate. And so many people are like, well, I'm going to come to God and, uh, and he's going to change my life. Yeah, absolutely. But it happens by him changing the way that you think. It says in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Everybody knock on your noggin a little bit here. God wants to know, don't knock on your neighbor's noggin. You knock on your own noggin, Brett. I see you over there. He's like, I don't even know what a noggin is. Well, it's this thing. It's your, your head, my friend. So knock on your noggin a little bit. Say, God, change how I think. Come on, if God can change this thing right here, everybody wants to pray the demons off. You just need to pray that hat-sized one off, right? The way that you currently think, the way that you currently operate, that's creating the patterns and the ruts and the, the, the furrows that you're finding your life in. Don't copy the behaviors of customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. The quickest way to life transformation is by letting God's word infiltrate you so that it changes the way you think. Come on. We don't just get into the word and read little verses to help us accomplish what we were already going to do that day. We say, no, God, change how I think about things. Change what, what I see. Number three. The word of God also corrects us, corrects us, disciplines us, gives us a spanking. It brings correction in our life, which is not always fun. I don't know about you, but I don't like being corrected. Some of you are like, I love to be corrected. No, I don't think anybody really, really, truly enjoys it. When you are off track, when you do something wrong and you get corrected, the, 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 probably the most intense form of correction we get uh, is on the belt line when somebody gives you the uh-uh-uh and flips you off. You know, you're corrected because you're trying to change lanes into their lane or whatever, and you go, ah, and some, some of you go into total road rage and ah, freak out. Don't do that. Thank, thank God for that lesson that you got. Hey, I was corrected, and I didn't get in an accident today, right? But God's word corrects us. We need to understand something, though. Correction is not rejection. Listen, when you get corrected by the Lord, it's not rejection. The correction of the Lord comes because he loves you. And I'll talk about this in a second. His discipline comes because he loves you, not because he doesn't like you. Not because he thinks you're bad. Not because he, he wants to reject you. When somebody, a brother or sister in Christ comes and they bring correction to you, that's not rejection. A lot of times what we want to do is we don't like someone's bedside manner. We don't like their style points. And so we throw out what they said. But what we should always do is have the humility to say, if there's anything in here that I can grow from, that I can learn from, I'm not going to take it as rejection. I'm going to take it as correction. I'm going to take it as something that helps me grow as a person. This is helping me change and become who God made me to be. So the word of God corrects us. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 5, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline. And don't give up when he corrects you, for the Lord disciplines those he loves, and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. 
When, when I discipline my children, it's not because I don't love them. It's because I absolutely do love them. When I scream at the top of my lungs, Penny, get out of the street or I'll kill you. It's because I don't want her to get hit by a car, right? You know what I'm saying, parents? When I correct my children, it's not because I don't love them. It's because I do love them. When the Lord brings correction to your life, it's because he loves you. If you ever come under the discipline or the correction of God, thank him for it and say, thank you, God. I'm so grateful that you're correcting me because I know that your word says that you love me. That's why you're doing this. Let me tell you that the, the surest sign of when someone does not love you, it's when there's apathy, not when there's correction. And yet as a culture, we've, we've developed this incredibly thin skin. If anyone ever pokes and says anything about any of my decisions, you're judging me. If anyone comes or, or, or you hear a message, even people hear sermons and they get offended by messages and sermons and like, I don't, I don't know what you're doing in your life. So if you think I'm speaking right to you, I mean, I don't know what you're doing. So I'm just giving truth, right? But oh, you, you, you knew something about me and you were saying this and I'm offended, I'm offended. When you get offended and you pull yourself out of the correction zone, you're just pulling yourself out of the ability to grow and to change. Come on, somebody. What we need to do is say, correction is not rejection. The Lord disciplines those, he disciplines those whom he loves. I'm going to receive the correction of the Lord. And the word of God brings correction to us. When I read the Bible, sometimes I'm like, dang it. Because <laughs> I see myself in the mirror. And there's a big fat pimple on my forehead. Metaphorically. Sometimes literally. And I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden, the Lord speaks in my heart, son, this is, this is out of line. One of the things God's dealing with me on right now through the word, I mean, and just in my time with the Lord is just how I treat my children. Something as basic as that is that I get impatient because I want them to do what I want them to do at this exact moment, and how dare they take longer? And yesterday, we were at the spring game, and we're trying to to leave and beat the crowds out, and then every kid has to go to the bathroom, but they never want to go at the same time. You know what I mean? It's like they, it goes in 20-minute increments. And so you, you take Jack to the, I took him to the porta potty and I'm like, okay, come out and then we'll walk into the parking lot and then we get out into the middle of the parking lot and now Evie has to go to the bathroom. <sighs> so then we walk back and the Lord is working on me to be more patient. You're like, he's not, he needs to do more work. Amen. <laughs> Correction's not rejection. Number four, the word of God teaches us how to live rightly. And I love this. God will show you the way to go. When I was struggling with a decision at one point, it was a serious decision in my life, and I was really struggling with understanding the right way to go and, and really seeking God, but I didn't have peace, and I felt all this pressure in me to make this right decision. And I remember being upstairs in my parents' room, and they have some recliners up there, and so we would do family convos. And uh, my sister's there, my mom, we're all there together, and we're talking, and my mom just said something to me that stuck with me. She said, Jake, have you trusted, do you trust in the Lord to lead you and guide you? I said, yes. Have you submitted this decision to him? Yes, I have. Then God's not gonna let you drive off a cliff. And it really stuck with me because it made me understand. And, and I knew, man, God loves me. He's gonna guide me. I've submitted my life to him. Listen, if you are humble and you are in the word and you are submitted to the Lord, you're letting him work on you, you can trust him to lead you and guide you appropriately in your life. It says in Proverbs 3, verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. 
Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. One of the questions I get probably more than any other, especially from young people, is the question of guidance and direction. How do I know where to go in my life? And how many of you think this is a significant question, right? How do I know where to go? What do I do next? What's my next move? We're, we all want to know, right? We all want, we, nobody likes to be surprised by like, hey, surprise, your life's a mess now. No, we don't like that. We want to know which way do I go? How can I take the next step? And I want to tell you something. There is no better way to be in the, the right path of your life than to be in the word of God, in the word of God. I know this is really practical, really foundational, but listen, somebody needs to hear this today. If you're like, oh, I don't know where to go. What do I do? Get into the word because God will change the way you think. He will correct you. He will bring guidance to you and he will show you which path to take. And it's powerful. All right, this morning, I wanna give you some practical takeaways and then allow you to go get, beat the Baptist to the best brunch place in town. I had to change first service to brunch because I used to say lunch, but it's weird to eat lunch at 10 in the morning. I'm not judging, but yeah, go to brunch. Give you some practical steps here this morning. Steps to take. Number one, commit yourself to daily Bible study and meditation. I know that sounds kind of highfalutin. What is meditation? doesn't mean that you, you know, go up and... That was kind of perfect timing on the synth right there. Meditation is just simply chewing on something over and over, allowing it to, to get all the nutrients, to get all the, the, what is there. And so I want to encourage you to have a daily time of Bible reading. Commit yourself to every day getting God's word inside of you. And not just reading it, but taking the time to ponder it, to meditate on it, to say, what is, what is this verse saying? What is God saying through this verse to the people it was originally written to? What is it saying to me? How can I apply it to my life? So commit yourself to that process of daily Bible study. Uh, a lot of people there go, well, okay, where do I start? What do I read? Well, there's this great app. It's called YouVersion. How many of you have a smartphone or a tablet? Or you can even use it on a computer. Here's what I would recommend you do. Go on there and get a Bible reading plan. Maybe just one that's 10 days or 15 days or whatever you want to do or a whole year. But get a Bible reading plan and every day, just read that passage, read those passages that are there for you and just spend five minutes a day in God's word and watch how your life will change. Out of this entire series, if you didn't take anything else out of it other than this right here, just every day, open up the Bible and allow God to speak to you through his word. Get in it five minutes a day. If you didn't get anything else out of this series, this would change your life. That's good. And if you're like, didn't change my life, come back to me and I'll give you your money back or whatever. I mean, I'm taking your money. So I'll, I'll buy you some popcorn or something. But I, no, I, I know for a fact that getting in the word of God every day, there's been nothing else in my life that has changed me, transformed me, led me, guided me. Nothing has helped me more than being in the word of God every day. So get a Bible reading plan. Second thing I wanna ask you to do is commit yourself to study the Bible with other believers. So you hear about it all the time here, but we have joy groups. In between Sundays, all through the week, there's people opening up their homes, people meeting in coffee shops, living together, doing life together. Uh, not living together, but doing life together. That's an intense joy group. You have to move in. <laughs> doing life together, connecting, uh, sharing life and sharing food. Come on, hallelujah. Getting in the word together. That's an awesome way to start building a discipline and a habit of studying the Bible. Get yourself together with other believers in groups. And if you want to know more about that, just go to our website, joyeugene.com, or go out to the next table. If you're not in a joy group, 
studying the word on a weekly basis, get involved with that. That's going to help you so much. And then the, the last thing I want to ask you to do, challenge you to do as a practical step to put this word into play is that you would, every day as you're in the word and you're allowing it to teach you truth and to show you what's wrong in your life and to correct you and to teach you how to live rightly and show you the way to go, I want to challenge you that you would simply ask God what part of his word you need to act on today. See, the thing with Jesus is that he's always asking you to just take the next step. And every one of us is at a different place on that journey. But Jesus wants you to take your next step. And one of the best ways to know what that next step is, is that as you get into the word, just say, God, what do you want me to put into play in my life from your word today? And it will change your life.